We will be looking at Romans 16, 17 through 20 this morning. Um, and as you're finding Romans 16, 17 through 20, what we're going to encounter in this passage is a warning coming from a pastor who really loves the people he's writing to. Now, I don't know if any of you have parents who really looked out for your well-being. Uh, I can't really say that I did all that much, um, not when compared to Meredith's parents. Uh, I remember when I first started dating Meredith, I was surprised at how attentive David and Sandy were to her safety. And I remember every time before we leave the house, if we we're going to drive anywhere, they'd say, watch out for deer. And I remember thinking, well, are there just like kamikaze deer out here in Midland that are just gunning for the Carpenter family? And of course, they're right there. There are a lot of deer accidents and it was good. Uh, but it took me by surprise because my parents, they're just like, eh, go on. I mean, they loved me, but they weren't, you know, that actively concerned with my safety from deer or anything else. But um, what we're going to see in this passage is similar to that, watch out for deer. It's, he's bringing this letter to a close, and he's saying, there's something you need to watch out for. Now, here's the warning, and this is the big idea for the sermon. So if you're exhausted and you have to pass out, just hear this sentence, and then you'll have gotten the big idea. There are people within the church that you need to avoid. There are people within the church that you need to avoid. Now, I know that may be a surprising big idea for my sermon this morning. This is one reason I like preaching through books, because it helps me to teach the whole counsel of God's word, whereas I may never have landed on this passage on my own. It would have felt, it would have seemed to you like there must be something specific going on that he's trying to address. It's not the case. This is just where we are in Romans. But the big idea is you need to watch out. There are people within the church, the global church, and within every local church that you need to avoid. Now, I know you're thinking, I thought this was all about love. You're always saying, love God, love people. It doesn't seem very loving. Well, we are supposed to love, but we're also supposed to have discernment. And sometimes the most loving thing for people and for the church is to be discerning about people and to avoid certain types of people. Sometimes that's the most loving thing for the church in general and even for the people being avoided. Okay, so this is going to be an interesting passage today, isn't it? Yes, it is. So I've got it broken into three sections to make it easily digestible for us. It's, we're going to talk about the appeal, the people, and the promise. The appeal to avoid certain people, the people, who are they? And a promise that we can rest in as we go about it. So if you are able, I will invite you to stand with me as an expression of honor as we read God's word, Romans 16, verses 17 through 20. Paul, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, writes, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. 
The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let's pray. Father, please help us now to understand this word and to receive it and to respond to it rightly. I pray against any spirit of judgmentalism or any, any spirit of finger pointing. I pray that you would instead humble us, give us clear understanding of our own hearts, and enable us to be discerning brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can have a seat. So we'll start with the appeal. Okay, it's a twofold appeal. And you see it in verse 17. Did you see it? Let's read verse 17 again. I appeal to you. Now we talked about that word appeal before. This is a strong word that means he really wants us to hear him and respond. He's pleading with us. He's appealing to you, brothers, to watch out. For those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. So there's two things we are tasked with, watching out and avoiding. Now, watching out just means to keep your eye on people. It means to see clearly, to be vigilant, to be aware of your surroundings in terms of the people you're with as the church. Watch out. Keep your eyes open. Avoid is uh, two, in the original language, is two words that come together. And I just realized recently, I really like words. I'm just a word guy. You may not be like that. So if you're not into all this, like the Greek words added to the, you may not be into that, but it is helpful to understand. That word avoid is, is two Greek words stuck together. And it's, it's the word that means, um, where is it? Out from. I remember that one because in Greek it's ek. And we all remembered it. Get the ek out of here. It's, so it's ek is out from, away from, plus another word that means to bend. So it's away from plus bend. So it's like bend away, avoid, bend away from this certain type of people. It's, it's what you do in close conversation with someone with bad breath. Bend away, out from. Um, so one person defined it as fully avoid by deliberate, decisive action. So this is no mild appeal. This is very seriously, beware, watch out, and fully avoid these types of people by deliberate and decisive action. Identify them and move away from them. There are people within the church that you need to be aware of and you need to move away from. Now, I know we think church is supposed to be a safe place. We're, we're all good people. No, church is the place where all the sinners go because this is where Jesus is. So we are a gathering of sinful people. So that's why there's so much mess within the church. And, and one contingent of, of us messy people are divisive people. And divisive people are dangerous people. You need to grow in your discernment to see who these people are and avoid them. And you say, well, isn't that just being judgmental? I heard you, Matt, pray against the spirit of judgmentalism. It seems like that's being judgmental. Well, no, it's not quite. It's different. When I judge someone, I am sitting on my 
lofty perch of morality thinking, I'm good, you are not as good as I am, and therefore I cast judgment upon you. I'm great, you're not. It's judge, being judgmental is sitting in God's seat and pronouncing judgment as though you're not sinful and they are sinful. This isn't being judgmental. This is just being discerning. So we are called to be humble within the church, and we are not called to judge people. But we are called to be wise and discerning at the same time. So divisive people who cause a lot of division-type trouble in the church, we, we do not need to look the other way and act like that's not happening. It is not Christian to gloss over a divisive person as though there's nothing wrong there. There is something wrong there. If we, in the name of humility and trying not to be judgmental, just pretend, judgmental, just pretend that it's not happening, that is unloving to everybody involved. That's like having a severe um, pain in your leg and just trying to ignore it. Meanwhile, meanwhile, whatever's wrong, your femur's broken or something, it gets worse and causes more damage. So no, we don't want to be judgmental and we do want to be humble. But we cannot gloss over or ignore or look the other way or in any other respect except divisive Christians in the name of humility. More often than not, that's just cowardice. It's not real humility. Now, this doesn't mean that we shun divisive people and that we're cold and mean toward them and we're cruel toward them. That's not what he's saying. It means... You should not be best buddies with a divisive person. You should not be closely associated with divisive people. We should not let divisive people into our hearts. We should not put divisive people into leadership. We should distance ourselves. We should move away. Now, let's just say... A scenario to help us think about this clearly, what it means to avoid people. Because I don't think I've ever preached to you to avoid anybody. I'm always saying, we have to love people. We have to love people. Well, apparently, according to God, there are some people that it's loving toward them to avoid them. So, imaginary scenario to help us think through this. You walk into Food Lion. And you see a divisive person your brother or sister in Christ, who you know is a divisive person. We're about to talk about how to identify them. Okay, does this mean that you duck behind the fruit so they don't see you? And you walk with your buggy like this so they don't see you? I don't think so. I think that's being deceptive. I think that's being slimy. I, that's not what it means. Because eventually you are going to run into them. You always do. And then you're going to have to act like, oh, as though you didn't know they were there all along, and that's just deception. That's just lying. So, no, it doesn't mean you hide from them. It just means you, you, don't, you don't embrace them as, as your best friend. You don't move toward them. In general, you put distance between yourself and them. Okay, does that seem like it makes sense? Okay, I have, I have more to say that's going to clarify it in this next point, the people. Did you see sort of the characteristics of the divisive people that we're to avoid in verses 17 and 18? 
Let's read it together again and listen for what are these people like? And listen humbly because it might be you. It might be me. Don't listen in a judgmental way about others. Listen so that you're equipped to be discerning and so you can search your own heart to make sure you're not a divisive person. Okay. Listen for, um, in particular, three characteristics that you see right there. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So three things stand out. Characteristics of divisive people. Okay, I do not want to ignite a witch hunt here. I don't want you flipping through your directory later, judging them by these characteristics. I want you to pack this into your minds and into your hearts so that you can be discerning. Okay? I don't see any finger pointing, especially not while I'm preaching. Oh, and I need to make a note too, before I get into the three characteristics. A divisive person is not, is different from just a difficult person. Now, there are many of us here who are difficult people within every church. Some of you, maybe when you see me at Food Line, you want to duck the other way. There are people that that's our instinct. We don't, you know, it's not natural that we all are going to like everybody. And some people are difficult. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a very specific sort of problematic person in the church. Okay, so don't just label anybody that you know, steps on your foot in the hallway or annoys you in some way as, well, they're a divisive person and I, will, I now have biblical cause to avoid them. Don't jump to that conclusion. This is a specific type of person who is dangerous. So one characteristic is divisiveness. Divisiveness. This means that they often cause people to stand apart from one another. They often cause division within the church. When there's divisions within the church, as there are, is, is common. People become no longer on speaking terms for one reason or another. You know, there's trouble. These folks, the divisive folks, are often at the roots of those situations. Now, divisions require two or more parties at least. And not everybody involved in a division is a divisive person. But if you see over time, like over a decade, two decades, if you see a common denominator in a lot of the divisions, that's probably a divisive person. Okay, so I don't want, you know, some of us have maybe been a part of, of some little minor divisions within the church. That doesn't necessarily mean you are a divisive person, therefore everybody move away from that individual right now. These, the divisive people are sort of the usual suspects when there's trouble in church. Okay, and every church has the usual suspects, including Doolin's Grove. And, and every, you all may have a different set of usual suspects in your mind. Maybe some of, of your usual suspects are divisive people, maybe they're not. I don't know who you're thinking about. You need to prayerfully discern, okay? Now, I'm not just on my own assuming that we have divisive people. I'm assuming that because it's in God's word, that he wants every church to be discerning in this area. 
So maybe it's the case that right now we don't have capital D, divisive people. Maybe he's preparing us for something to come. I don't know. Okay? So, divisiveness is a characteristic of these people that we need to avoid. Another characteristic, doctrinal obstacles. I bet no one here has ever uttered that phrase before, doctrinal obstacles. We're going to run a doctrinal obstacle course during the Gather at the Grove, June 2nd. It's going to be a lot of fun. These, this characteristic is that of people who have great questions, and they're good at making you think freshly about doctrines, but they never get past them. And when you look at the effect of their great questions in Sunday school or house to house or, or in conversation, you realize that they never actually benefit anybody. They just trip everybody up. Now, I don't know if you've known people like this. I've known people like this. Uh, people with a ton of great questions. People who regularly derail the lesson or the discussion with their creative abilities with Scripture. These are the people that teachers, they see their class coming in, you know, student by student, and they're like, oh, it's going to be good. Oh, there comes that guy. And you know they're just going to derail things. They love to show their knowledge and their creativity with the Bible rather than loving and serving the people around them. These are folks who seem to have more insight into Scripture than they have fruitfulness in their lives. Okay, it's a problem when you encounter someone that seems to have great, colossal insight into Scripture. And they're challenging their, you know, after church, they're saying, well, Matt said this, but I don't think so. You know, they've got great insight into Scripture, but you look at their lives and they've got no fruitfulness to show for it. Because what they're doing is they're building an arsenal of doctrinal obstacles to put in the way of people and to cause trouble. Yeah, I've known these people. You find them in seminaries because that's just a great training ground to have doctrinal obstacles, to grow really smart mentally about doctrinal stuff, but not to serve people. And the fact is, he says right here, such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. See, these folks are tricky because they're involved and they're engaged, but they're only involved enough to create divisions and engaged enough to slow other people down in their growth because they're not really concerned about Jesus Christ. They're concerned about their own bellies. That's what, another word, factoid for you, that word appetites literally just means their bellies. It's usually used of their physical bellies. So they're driven by some selfish appetites. They don't really care about Christ. They like to create doctrinal traps, trip people up, pose little hypothetical questions. Bet you never thought of that. No, why would I? It's not, I'm trying to worship God. I'm trying to serve people. I'm trying to make disciples. And you're over here trying to just trip people up with weird doctrines. Watch out for those people. Keep your eyes on them and avoid them. So they are divisive. They have doctrinal obstacles that they use and manipulative speech. This is an important one. In verse 18, they, they don't serve the Lord Jesus, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, 
They deceive the hearts of the naive. Now, this is why we have to take it seriously. This is the danger. The deception against the naive. And we'll get to that in a minute, but let's talk about the smooth talk and the flattery. Why is ice cream so dangerous? Because, man, it goes down smooth, doesn't it? How many nights, about 9.30 or whatever, you're watching TV and you think, oh, some ice cream sure would be good. How many nights have I, about 9.30, gotten into the van and gone to Food Line just to get a carton of ice cream to bring back? Never is a trick question. I'm more disciplined than that. I'm just kidding. That happens a lot. See, divisive people, their words, their conversation goes down smooth. Nothing tastes bad when you're listening to a divisive person. It's, it seems good. It tastes good. It goes down smooth. Partly because it makes you feel good about you. Because often these divisive people are flatterers. It's not usually the brash, abrasive, profane people that are really dangerous. I mean, those are obvious, obvious red flags come up there. It's the smooth-talking flatterers. Watch out for those whose words are smoother than their lives. And part of the reason they're so smooth is because they're so flattering. They'll just make you feel great. What? You want to hear another interesting word fact? Here it comes. That word flattery, the Greek word is is part of the root where we get our word for eulogy. You know, when we give a eulogy at a person's funeral, we're just speaking great things about them. We're leaving out all the other things we all know to be true. We've all been to some uncomfortable funerals where the eulogy made the person sound like super saint. And we know the truth. See, they'll make you feel great about you, at least while they're talking to you. But, you know, while they're talking to their real friends later, it may be a whole different picture. Now, we should all probably be starting to feel some conviction at this point. Watch out for those who can praise a person to their face and curse them beneath their breath or at the coffee shop or over the phone with their buddies. Because these smooth-talking flatterers will deceive the hearts of the naive. See, it's it's the unsuspecting that get destroyed by these people. And I mean destroyed. I'm not being overly dramatic. What part of the naive do they deceive? Did you notice it? By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. The heart is the very core of who you are. It's where your desires are made. It's where your motivations lie. It's your your identity. See, these people are dangerous because, because folks who haven't been around the block and don't know any better will get taken in and they'll get deceived. They'll get programmed wrong to believe things that are not true. Ultimately, they'll be made in the image of the divisive people who have taken control of them. He says, see, he's happy with this church in verse 19. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. He's happy with them. And that's part of why he's so concerned for them. He says, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is Did you see what word he used to describe this? Evil. We don't use the E word lightly. And when we think evil, we think 
red horns and tail and the trident of clearly satanic things. But make no mistake, these subtle sinful things, these subtle sinful characteristics are called in Scripture evil. And it is satanic, which is why the very next thought is this promise The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Why is he bringing Satan all of a sudden? Well, Satan is the master of this. You remember in the Garden of Eden, naive Eve, unsuspecting Eve, hanging out in the garden, this serpent slithers up. And what he says sounds smooth and good. And before you know it, her very heart has been deceived. And that's what Paul says in one of his letters. Eve was deceived. And when we do these things, we're playing the part of Satan. Like if church is the garden, when we prey on the the unsuspecting and the naive and we bend their perceptions to what we want them to be rather than to what is true about other people, you know, maybe we don't like such and such and there's a new newbie, so we go in and we speak serpentine, evil things to shape their perception against this group or this person. That's just evil. That's satanic. Now, I want to back up and just have, let's just have a moment of humility here in case some of you are getting pictures of certain people in your minds prematurely. I want you to get your picture in your mind for a minute. See your own face. Now, we have all been guilty of some of these things. I dare to say that we've probably all gossiped or exaggerated and bent the truth in such a way as to make other people look bad in the eyes of others. Uh, I bet we've all complained about people in such a way that's probably turned people against other people or at least encouraged them in being turned against other people. You know, some of us may have made a show of our biblical knowledge and stuff, not not to serve Christ, but just to, to get our own bellies full of people's admiration. I, I'm almost 100% certain that we've all spoken disingenuous praise to people's faces, either out of fear of social awkwardness or just not wanting to hurt feelings, while in our hearts we don't believe that, and what we say in private doesn't match that. See, these things can seem small, but they are not small. We have to beware that these are the subtle evils of Satan slithering into our church family. We have to avoid these characteristics and we have to avoid those who have embraced these characteristics, who are identifiable by these characteristics, who are pros at these things. We must avoid them because they're dangerous. Now I want to conclude with the promise in verse 20. See, there is this ultimate victory coming that we look forward to. Satan, you know, our enemy's influence will always be a factor. It'll just always be a factor until Christ comes back. This is our ultimate hope. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So don't despair. 
You know, church is always going to be kind of messy because we're messy people. Though we've been given tools to be discerning, we've been given tools to navigate around in this, in this crazy world of church. And we've been given this promise that ultimately Christ is going to return. He's going to crush Satan under our feet. So we can leave here rejoicing. We can leave here comforted. We can leave here wiser. We can leave here hopefully convicted of, of sin if these sins are in our hearts and repentant so that we don't become these types of people. And one day Christ will return and it will all be made right. So praise God, right? Right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and it's just nitty gritty practical truth. Lord, I pray that you would be searching our hearts now revealing to us sin in our own lives toward this end that, that would make us divisive. Lord, please protect your church, this local body and your church at large from divisive people. Help us to understand what it means to keep an eye on them. Help us to understand what it means to avoid them. Or may we be wise in the things that are good and innocent in the things that are evil. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.